Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Man, I watched a lot of footage of Filipinos whipping themselves this week. <laughs> yeah, did you learn anything? I learned, number one, they don't say ow. No. Because you, I figured you'd go like, I, I want to go back over all of the Filipino like f- flagellant movement that's still going on now, right? Like, mm-hmm. They oh, still yeah. walk around. They still whip themselves with the like bushels. It's like a parade or something, isn't it? Yes, they uh-huh. walk through, and we're going to talk about that today. But as they slap themselves, like I just want to see someone going, ow, 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 ow. But I guess it shows weakness in the eyes of the Lord. Oh, this is my impression of a Filipino-Canadian. I'm sorry. Ow, I'm sorry. It doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah, because they're sorry for when they ripped themselves. The whole point is that they're apologizing for God for for daring to be human. You're talking about a Canadian flagellant. All right. Whatever. (laughs) Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben hanging out with Henry and Marcus. Marcus's back is sore with the whip. Yeah. (laughs) And also, Henry, if... If we are doing this whole flagellant thing, if the men are whipping themselves, remember, they're not going to say, ow, remember, this is an actual act of ecstasy, so they would most likely, more uh, likely to go, uh, uh, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> uh. It is an act of pure, pure ecstasy, and so is the act is of recording last podcast on the left. <laughs> no kidding, I it, feel like that. This is huge. I am so excited. We finally got to our, I'm going to say, maybe our favorite chunk. Yeah. Is this our favorite chunk? I love this chunk. This is a fantastic chunk because this is when we really get into the reaction of the Black Plague to the Black Plague. My favorite chunk is Grumpy Cat. Hello. I love that. (laughs) Grumpy Cat is dead. I know Grumpy Cat is (laughs) I know Grumpy Cat is dead, but I still have a pair of socks with him or her on it. Okay, everyone. Today we are on to Oh, it doesn't have its pussy on it? (laughs) No. (laughs) Today we are on to Black Death Part Four. So when we last left the Black Death's march across Europe, it had completely devastated France, and it was just about to make its final hop over the English Channel to ravage the British Isles. You know what really hit me through this chonk was how news traveled about the plague and how scary that must have actually been when you are an island nation, right? Because England at this point had only kind of heard tell that something else was going on, but they started apparently getting news as the plague hit city after city 
after city. And so you're hanging out like while it did kind of occur somewhat simultaneously, they still got like word that like people Mm. were dropping dead from an invisible force just miles away. And that it would just come city by like it was so you watch the wave come at you. I feel like today's news is more scary than that because now it's like everyone's dead. And then it cuts to a commercial for YoPlay. (laughs) And then I'm like, what am I supposed to believe here? And then I finally have all the 9-11-2 YoPlay deals. <laughs> well, we'll get into like how the British saw the plague coming later, but for the most part, the uh, attitude was, "We're an island. Fuck those people." Oh, oh nothing good. Jawman. Like I know that technically we're English, but Jawman. Wow, you nailed the island culture. But before we delve into England in the Middle Ages, let's stay just a bit longer in mainland Europe, specifically in the Germanic regions, where the reactions to the plague were among the most bizarre on the entire continent. Rather than a straight God did it explanation for the plague, Germanic and some Scandinavian peoples approached the Black Death from a more mystical folkloric point of view. This is where you really get all of the best music video imagery. Oh, <laughs> is this chunk? What do they mean? Do they, do, do they think gnomes did it? <laughs> no, gnomes are innocent. Whoa! <laughs> the Hildefurk have only ever helped. They've, they've tried to guide humankind. And yes, do they kidnap you and essentially put a baby inside you that then slips out as a tiny, like half-known, half-human changeling that you can never trust? And you look at it forever like, you know, we need to say something about Kevin. What's the name of that fucking movie? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Technically, that's just all the thing. They, that's the only things the Hillefuck do. Oh, I think mm-hmm. I'd rather have the Black Death. Well, in Vienna, where a third of the population would die of the plague by the end of 1349, they began telling tales of a plague spirit called Pestjungfrau, which translates to either Little Plague Girl or Plague Virgin. I can't wait. I can't wait. (laughs) I am searching Plague Virgin as soon as we're done on Pornhub. I just want to see what comes up when I search Plague Virgin. According to legend, Pestjungfrau was a malignant plague goddess in the shape of a young woman who would emerge from the mouth of a plague victim upon their death, spewing forth in a glowing jet blue flame to infect everybody around them. Oh my god, I feel like that's what happens when Grimes has an orgasm. Ooh, that's reference. That's a model that's moderately um, up to date. Sorta. <laughs> it sorta is, yeah. It becomes one of those, you know those electric lighters that you get at the weed smoke store? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The ones they use for meth. Yeah. Is that what they're for? Yeah. Yeah, meth and crack, yeah. Cool. They were. I didn't know. I thought they were for cigarettes. No. I'm pure. <laughs> There's actually also a real connection to the plague children. Right, mm-hmm. that one idea of plague children. This is actually, in my mind, one of the first examples of black-eyed children. Oh, because yeah. sometimes when whole families would be wiped out, the ones with the strongest Im- immune systems, the children, a lot of times would be left behind. Even though it did kill children with the same percentage as it do- did adults, they sometimes they, they would be the only ones that were left. So mm. they would kind of go from town to town. They would see these beggar children. And eventually it became frightening to see them because the beggar children would not only bum you out, yeah. But they would also <laughs> spread plague. Yeah. So that sometimes they would be carrying it for a long time and not knowing it, but it's just them coming out being like, is it time to eat yet? They're doing the same <laughs> shit. Roaming <laughs> gangs of death kids. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. I still find children scary. And they're the ones that carry the COVID now. Oh, my. <laughs> Besides the stories people told, nature itself seemed to respond to the almost supernatural efficiency of the Black Death. 
According to the stories, even after the shepherds who tended to sheep flocks died, the wolves turned and fled back to the wilderness, completely avoiding the deadly miasmas that haunted the fields of the Germanic nations. But perhaps both the strangest and certainly the most public reaction to the Black Death in Central Europe was the rise of a traveling troop of weirdos called the Flagellants. Yeah, we're oh, here. We oh my God, it. it's Murder Fist. Wow, look at that great sketch comedy troupe, the Flagellants. Uh, it seems to me there's too many of them for them to ever have a television show. Ah, that's been going on throughout history, apparently. Now, the flagellants were exactly what you'd expect them to be. Basically, they were groups of men who traveled from town to town, whipping themselves as punishment for both the sins of mankind and their own personal sins. And of course, this implied that the flagellants didn't need a priest for absolution if they beat the shit out of themselves instead. And that's <laughs> the most beautiful part about the flagellants is because even though they did horrible things that yes. we'll cover as well, at the same time, that independent spirit that yeah. go get them grassroots campaign. Yes, we can. They <laughs> should actually, it. we should see that poster with the flagellant with the big dunce cap on the, with the hope underneath it. I love this ECW religion. It's so hardcore <laughs> and extreme. All the blood and the guts. I love it. They cut their own faces open. Wow. They're a lot of fun. They're screaming, warbling maniacs, and they put on a great show. Say what yeah. you want about the worst century to be alive, but this is pretty freaking kick this, this is my favorite part. Yeah. Now, group public flagellation as atonement for collective sin was not a new invention for the Black Death, nor was it an invention of the Germans, because the Germans seem to respond to flagellation in far greater numbers than any other people. <laughs> no. I don't know why, but the Germans keyed into this shit. Yeah, because it made them come. It was like the most slippery slash sticky floor of all time. <laughs> you are not wrong, because a lot of times they did experience what Marcus said, pure, total, pain-ridden ecstasy. All right. Mm -hmm. Flagellation actually began almost a century earlier than the plague in Italy after a series of epidemics, wars, and famines. But while the original Italian branch fell under the control of the church, which half defeated the purpose of the flagellants, the German wing, which was much more anarchistic, didn't recognize church authority and were therefore banned within a couple of years. You know, I need your fucking goat. I've got my own. <laughs> It's called a blood and sword in my chest. And sometimes what I'll do is my old friend, he'll kneel down my fart in his face. And he says, thank you. Oh. And then he comes up and he's inhaled the fart in his mouth and he blows into my mind in a bit of a brown snowball, if you will. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's well, for God. I love that book, How to German for Idiots. <laughs> but their whole shit, man, is there, we don't need a priest. To, we don't need a priest for absolution. Yeah. The, the, it's in here. It's in here. Yeah. I was reading a really interesting Master's thesis. You're welcome. I did read a <laughs> fucking whole one of these wow. by McLaurin Zetner, which is the Black Death and its impact on the church and popular religion. And part of what they said is the humanization of the priest during this time period destroyed their standing. Mm. Yeah. The, the priest was viewed as sort of like a superhero at the time. Like the views as this untouchable, unknowable, the only person who has a direct access to God. And then you started watching them die just as hard as you. Right. Seems like God wasn't choosing to save them, and you think he would. If God yeah. had X-Men, <laughs> that he would save them. Absolutely, but even Jean Grey sacrificed her life, um, I think. 
in one of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, somebody sacrificed something. That's it's a bit, you've got a tenuous grasp, grasp on the Phoenix saga. I'll allow it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but while the German flagellants lay dormant for those hundred years between you know, 1260 and 1348, they didn't die. Because every time there was a mass disaster in the Germanic nations, such as the famine of 1296, the flagellants would pop up. And then when things got better, they just as quickly fade away. Anybody got any (laughs) (laughs) band-aids? Honestly, it's been a lot of fun. We've all been having a good time with the shows and all, but I'm having a bit of burnout, and I mean, I can see my spine. Absolutely. You're going to want to sleep on your tummy. Now, when the Black Death entered Bavaria in 1348, a flagellant movement that lasted an entire year swept across Central Europe from the Germanic regions. And what that movement left behind was a trail of blood, plague, and thousands of murder victims. Yeah, dude. What? Yeah, they, because... They had a, an agenda. Yeah, something happened inside of the flagellants. I think it's because it's like the gun church that we covered a little uh-huh. bit that's going the on AR-15 down. fifteen lovers. Yeah, that was going down in Texas, where it just seems to be like, once you get all the props, right? Like, once you have all the whips and you have all the knives and the swords and the crucifixes and you have all the shit, and for a while it's satisfying to sure. keep it within the group. But eventually, if you feel like that violence that you're doing all the time, it spreads. Yeah. You just kind of you kind of see like, oh, I kind of want to whip somebody else for a change. Sure, mm-hmm. but how do they have the time when they're whipping themselves so much? One for you, one for me. Oh, one for they you, need one the one, one for me, one for you. That makes sense. That's the thing. Well, the flagellation is only three times a day. Mm-hmm. And so there's like, yeah, so, and that takes, and each flagellation takes, I think it seems like it takes about 30 minutes to an hour. Oh. So, man, you still got 21 hours of the day. To kill other people. Okay. I, I wish I could be there for the moment. We'll talk about this a little bit later. But when the show's over, and then everybody has to go back and take off their costumes and be like, mm-hmm. uh, oh, well, I got a meeting in 15 minutes. This has been fun, guys. <laughs> yeah. My God. They sound like a bunch of roaming Cenobites. Uh, just ready to <laughs> they kill are, everybody. buddy. They, that's yeah, exactly they totally are. Ooh. Yeah. Now, from what the legends say, the flagellants of the Black Death arose from a planetary alignment on the third hour after midnight on March 12, 1349. And this precision gives you somewhat of an idea of what kind of lens the flagellants were seen through. Because people were fascinated by the flagellants at the time. They were obvious because they were fucking, that was the show to see. Well, the other thing about uh, this time period, at least as far as like, you know, that through the lens of Christianity is that it was the pipeline to God was man to priest to church. Mm. And part of what the flagellant showed is that it you, they took the priest out of the pipeline and it was just man to God. It was somewhat the beginning of like mysticism yes. uh, in well, the I Middle mean, Ages, like a, a personal mysticism where it's not like a wizard or anything like that. It's just like any man or woman can talk to God and can speak to God. And so the people who can speak to God are seen through a mystical lens. You're talking about people that accidentally stumbled upon the real secrets of the secret schools, Mm -hmm. right? The idea that it gives you agency and connection to the Godhead. Um, Not to be a total chill for capitalism, but isn't it just direct to consumer? Sure. Isn't it just they yeah, got rid of the middleman middle and then yeah, just like yeah. go right to God? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah, the, it's the P2P. Co- yeah, if you want to get, if you want to use agent talk. <laughs> 
Uh, from what was said in the legends, three weeks after the planetary alignment, a group of gigantic women arrived in Germany from Hungary. And as soon as they arrived, they stripped naked and began <gasps> singing strange songs while they beat themselves with rods and sharp scourges. I don't know what it is, man, but I'm loving this plague. <laughs> you know that for me? It's the songs. <laughs> yes, good songs, Hans. <laughs> but of course, that was the legend. In reality... This group of flagellants, called both the Brotherhood of the Flagellants and the Brethren of the Cross, this was an organized movement with strict rules as to how one might enter the order and strict rules as to how one would conduct themselves after admission. There was taught choreography. Yeah. Now to join the, <laughs> we'll get into it. Dude, okay. we'll get into it. Dude, this is a, this so is hold on. the Everyone show of the 14th century. Like, this is the number one stage show. Like, this is fucking Hamilton. This is what the plague... Except it's this interesting. This is the one... Yeah, except it's, yeah, except it's, it's total <laughs> violence. But you know what? I, it's, it's Again, it's you know, I can't even say it's a positive, because it's not. No. Because how not. many Jewish people they all end up killing. <laughs> but there is... There's something about the idea of the plague made... This is one of those... The, the weird reactions that the plague... Yeah. Inspired, like people just jumped into it, and it became such a massive nations wide movement. So they have everyone is dying all around them, but they took the time to choreograph. You'll see, yeah, see, like the like the sound of music or something. <laughs> well, I think with the flagellants, I mean, one thing that we certainly learned over the last five years is that when there are dark times, people want dark entertainment, and the Black Plague was the darkest the darkest time in human history. So therefore, the entertainment was the darkest entertainment there was. Oh my god, the real housewives of Glasgow. Ooh, <laughs> imagine oh that. Lord. I just see a lot of people just getting pint glasses broken off in their mouths. <laughs> That's how you know they're real housewives. Yeah. Well, to join the Brotherhood of Flagellants, an applicant must first obtain permission from their spouse, if they happen to be married. Yeah. Then the applicant was required to make a full confession to the master flagellant, telling all of the sins they had committed since the age of seven. Oh, my God. Master flagellant just has one hand that is replaced by a whip. It's so fucking sweet. There's something also very, there's, it's comic booky, but also very everyday. Like the mm -hmm. idea of having to go to your wife, like putting the, you have your dunce cap on and you're, you're like bloodletting as you're already been covered, like all Aww. scarred and, and all bullshit covered in barbs. And you have to go like, is it okay if I go to my group today? Like I just gotta <laughs> go. I know we were supposed to do brunch. That's what I guess is mostly just these rotten eggs. Oh, that's horrible. I don't like the dunce cap. I just watched a biography on Ozzy Osbourne, and when he was growing up, he had a hard time learning, and they made him wear the dunce cap in the corner. But then mm. he fucking made a song called War Pigs. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Killed everyone in his head. Uh, yeah, fucking rhyming masses with masses. Genius. Shut up. Okay, Shut Marcus up. Parks. I can't believe you just did that. I can't believe you're coming for Ozzy today of wow. all days. <laughs> <laughs> Once those requirements were out of the way, after they asked their wife permission and after they confessed all their sins, the new recruit then pledged to whip themselves three times a day, every day for 33 days and eight hours, which <laughs> echoed the 33 and a third years that Christ lived on Earth. Have you gotten into Flagellap? Have you got the, the, the new app for Flagell? Yeah, it, it counts my whips. And honestly, it's so nice to have somebody there, some kind of accountability. And I can nice. share it to Facebook. Oh, my God. That's, that's so what they great. say is good for dieting is you tell people that you're going to lose a bunch of weight. Then you let them yell at you if you get fat again. I love that. 
<laughs> However, these people weren't just whipping themselves privately in a room, nor were they just all gathering together in a room and whipping themselves. Instead, those 33 days of whipping were spent on marches across Europe, yep. where the flagellants became plague super spreaders because they were also forbidden to bathe or change their clothing. So they did the thing that there was the opposite of what they were trying to do. They didn't end the plague. They actually made it worse. Yeah, this, this really does not seem like it's going to work. But the original version of flagellants, I keep wanting to say it's flatulence. It's flagellant. Flatulence is a fart. Flatulence. I look, I see flatulence. Every single time I look at it, I'm I was going at, nuts. I was actually going to uh, compliment us for not making the easy fart joke. That yeah. word, it's already but, here. But that was yeah. more of an, that was more of like, isn't that word similar? So that was yeah. just kind of a comparison. Yeah, that's yeah. my, this is me this is me henry zabrowski american humorist <laughs> explaining to you why something is funny oh my um but the uh, the original version of like you're supposed to do this in private technically yeah. what they said because you're supposed to wear something like a cerise i believe it is called or a ceriche the hair shirt a hair shirt was actually the original version of this where you hurt yourself or god where you wear a stence ostensibly something like steel wool under oh. your clothes where you wear it and it scratches you all day long and you wear your clothes specifically over it because it's not supposed to be seen because mm. they viewed for a long time that if you were punishing yourself in public that that's actually the sin of pride that yes. you're doing it to show everybody look how sorry i am look look how i do this for god I, I punish myself look how incredible i am meanwhile that's one of the biggest rules that the flagellants broke mm. to according to the church which is that they did this in public they, mm. they love it when you do this in private interesting but you doing it in public shows that you're like you're making a show out of it Sure, yeah. it's like David Blaine. Why don't you drown on your own time? That's suicide. Get out of Oprah. Get <laughs> one, Oprah. Yeah, one time's a suicide attempt, and the yeah. other side, it's magic. It does <laughs> remind me very limitedly, but I remember when I was playing basketball growing up, people used to wear rubber bands around their wrist, and if they would miss a shot, they would snap their uh, little wrist with the rubber band. It's kind of similar as a form of punishment. <laughs> I'm just saying humans haven't changed that much. Oh, yeah, <laughs> b believe me, sometimes like uh, I'll want pork, but I eat tofu. And you slap yourself in the back? No, no, no physical pain whatsoever. But that's my version of being a flatulent. Tofu can actually have more fat than a piece of pork sometimes. That's absolute total horseshit. It can. <laughs> I interviewed somebody that, on Top Hat that who is was a animal. Lie. That is a lie no, it's, to it's you. Serious. They're lying. Oh, man. Wow. Wow. <laughs> now, the flatulence... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now, the flagellants had begun with an implicit message, which is that priests were unnecessary for salvation. That was kind of, mm. you know, that was under the radar. But as the Black Death took its toll and society fell apart very quickly, the message that priests were obsolete became explicit. Mm. This was something that was on, because that before it was implied, now the flagellants are going from town to town and saying, you don't need a priest. You don't need the church. Salvation is at hand. We're bringing it to you. And the longer the flagellants marched, the more they began to see themselves as more than simple sufferers who were doing penance on behalf of a wicked humanity. Instead, they began bestowing upon themselves power reserved for priests, popes, and saints. They would um, do this like pump up routine. They get it. We'll get into the show part, like when we describe the actual show. But it is crazy how they started like being like, "I can see the future. <laughs> I can talk to cats." <laughs> well, this is completely real. You know, if they, you know, if I'm a priest, I say, "Fine, I'm keeping all the wine." 
because the priests have all the wine, they have all the bread, they have all the good times. So all the priests people... during the Black Plague became Kathy? Hammered. <laughs> well, that is actually one of the big reactions that they said was interesting about the plague. They don't know if it's rumor or not, but the idea that all of the monasteries started getting hammered and everybody started blowing each other. And that, is, that was one reaction to the plague. That is true. And that also... It's a smarter reaction than whipping yourself, actually. Getting hammered is. and blow each other is just as good, if not safer, than guess, drawing blood. Honestly, they would just... Because they could at least all stay together. Also, the... Um, the one phenomena of brother taking sister as wife oh, was also mm, very common during the play. What a uh. phenomena. <laughs> wow. Well, what the flagellants were essentially doing is that they were telling people like, you don't need the church. You don't like they've got too much power. You you have the power. But what in reality, what they were doing, saying like they were just transferring the power from the church to themselves. Of course. They were saying that they were taking power away from the church, but really they were just stealing power from the church and lying to the people and telling them like, oh no, you have the power because you've given us power. Just it's remember, the same shit that's always happened. Any single group that tells you that they're the only ones with the solution want to become the new dictators. Oh, yes. yay. Yeah. Well, eventually, flagellants went on the offensive against the church and began disrupting masses, driving priests from their ecclesiastical seats, <laughs> and looting church property in the process. Yes. But that was the mission of the older, more conservative flagellants. When they started dying of the plague, they were replaced with a younger, poorer, and more criminal membership who began focusing almost completely on the Jews. Mm. Yeah, this seems to what happen happened? across how many movements have we covered in the entire span of last podcast on the I mean, left? Just our UFO uh, episodes alone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it always ends up with with Jewish folks. Wait, they, well, but what the flagellants said, what, where it uh, transferred is that you know where the flagellants flagellants started was you know we are to blame for the plague. Man is responsible for the plague. All men are responsible for the plague. And then once the older members who had that message started dying off the younger members kind of went with the hip new opinion which was oh the Jews are to blame for the plague we're actually okay like we yes we sin and everything like that but really it's the Jews that are responsible so they can take all that anger what Henry was joking about earlier is not that far off it's so just there, taking that anger and transferring it so there was like a hipster vice magazine out oh, during yeah, the dude. black plague <laughs> of and course just the, like the flagellants about the Jews and then they talk about like hats and stuff afterwards <laughs> the original flagellants was Twitter the new, the, I believe anti-Semitism would be called the TikTok of the Black Plague, <laughs> right? Where they were super obsessed. It was the new thing and everyone wow. was real excited about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, before the flagellants came along, the initial wave of pogroms against the Jewish population in Central Europe had begun to die down. But as the flagellants spread out across the Germanic nations, that flame reignited. What if it's more like the pilot light never went out? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Roving packs of scourge-wielding maniacs killed Jews en masse, and in Erfurt, the flagellants were partially responsible for a massacre that killed up to 3,000 Jewish people in a single day, oh after gosh. which the flagellants burnt homes and divvied up the Jewish goods amongst themselves. Can you imagine, first of all, you are a Jewish family that makes it first, you make it through the first pogrom. Right. Where the your mayor and all the town folk got together to kill all of you. Right. And they they kill a bunch of you. And then all of a sudden they're like, 
we're done. Yeah. And then we're like, all right, we're, we're cool now. And you have to like sit there as a Jewish family, like, I guess we're cool now. Um, We're just going to go back to our lives and do shit and be like, so it started from inside the house. And then all of a sudden you see men, the only way to describe is dressed as characters from Silent Hill yeah. <laughs> coming over the ridge, right? They're coming with oh, a crucifix my. in front, screaming, wailing, beating each other. First of all, you're like, I hope that stays over there yeah. and not over here. Like somebody screaming at a bus stop, just being like, I just, you just stay over there, comical sir. Not, don't come into my backyard. And then all of a sudden you look and you see, and they're like, Jews. That's Jesus. bad. I mean, yeah. it's also just so strange because, you know, these people, if you are a Jewish family, you're like, they look like maniacs. And in the people's minds that are maniacs, they're like, look at those crazy people sitting in their house. <laughs> and it's like, I don't, this. you need to, everyone should have a little mirror. And they need yeah. to put their face up to it, and they need to look at themselves. Have you become right. Al Franken? <laughs> <laughs> Doggone it. People like me. <laughs> and this wasn't a small, it wasn't like this was like five, ten guys. Groups of flagellants would be anywhere between 50 and 500 strong. Damn, Like, it could be horrifying. a small army coming to town. Yeah. But despite these horrific acts, or most likely because of them, the public just couldn't seem to get enough of these wacky flagellants every time they came to town to bloody up the square. Do you remember when America was obsessed with flash mobs? Of course. <laughs> improv everywhere. They just improv nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> never. Improv never. How about that? Yeah, improv never. We're doing improv right now in many ways. But, yeah, but <laughs> we're seasoned. <laughs> At least we're pickled. <laughs> In 1340, Strasbourg had a new pilgrimage of flagellants every week for six months. And in a town called Tournai in Belgium, a new pilgrimage swept through town every few days. Oh. In just two months, 5,300 flagellants traveled through Tournai. And just whipping and having a show every few days. Is it wow. like podcasts during quarantine where like the beginning of the Black Plague, the beginning of the Black Plague, these 5,300 flagellant movements started up real hard. Then two yep. weeks later, only about 10% of them stayed. Sure. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you realize, similar to Twitter and also podcasting, if it's just you and a buddy, just call them. Send them a text. Yeah. <laughs> no one needs to hear it. <laughs> but it, it, they, it, it does seem to be like they egged each other on. Like, mm -hmm. they, there's a lot of group response during the plague, which I think it speaks to the fact that we really are a herd animal. Like, yeah. they, I, I wonder, because that The Secret History of Consciousness by Gary Lockman, he was talking about that concept that we are, we started more psychic as a animal. Like, and yeah. that what we called psychic was actually just innate instinct that we just were more like on a network locked in. And I wonder if there's more examples of that. Like, nowadays, I feel like the internet kind of divides us up like there is herd mentality, but they also direct it like corporations direct it with algorithms and shit like that. Where now I wonder if if that's just a chicken and the egg thing. Like, are we always reacting en masse like this and it's just them riding mm -hmm. the reins of it? Like, I mean, corporations or is that changed and are they driving us? Like, why do all of these things in the in the play goal happen spontaneously all at the same time? I have no what you're. I have no idea what you're talking about. When we're here, we're family, and uh, we're eating good in the neighborhood. And uh, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna do it. And I don't. I am not susceptible to advertising. Live from your grave. Now you can stream the live TV you love for just forty bucks a month with Sling TV. Get your favorite channels and shows for the best price. 
If you want live sports, Sling has all the football playoffs and pro and college basketball. Stay up to date with breaking news from around the world with MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. Sling also has reality, TV, popular entertainment, kid shows, and more. Sling costs almost half as much as other live TV providers, so you can watch more and pay less. Sling is easy. Sign up in minutes, stream at home or on the go on up to three devices, and record up to 50 hours with included DVR space. Get flexible channel lineups that put you in control. Pause, change, or cancel your service at any time. You'll never get locked into a long-term contract. Check out Sling.com for special offers. Sling, the live TV you love for a price you'll love. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace! With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. Um, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya Centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year, and that's why I'm going to go full tilt. And not only are you going to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale entire series, clothes and non-clothes, what we also are going to offer, and I mean this, we're trying to get into giraffe rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals but horses, take pictures of the horses, Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse, ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. Hey. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants for all climates, locations, and needs. Available 24-7, you can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, landscape design, and how best to take care of your plants. I love Fast Growing Trees because I just moved here to Los Angeles. I got a yard now, and I'm doing all the landscaping myself. I love working in my garden. I love planting stuff. I love growing stuff. And the cool thing about fast growing trees that I really like is that they tell you exactly what type of growing zone you're in. I'm in growing zone 10 and they can tell you exactly what type of trees or plants 
or whatever you can put out in front of your house. Uh, I'm looking at the Norfolk Island pine tree. I'm looking at putting a little bit of red sister cordyline up in front of my fence. I think that'll the red will really pop nice. And maybe for the backyard, I got an extra planter that I might put a pl- Satsuma plum tree in. And these prices are reasonable. They're reasonable if you've ever been to a nursery. But right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Now, as John Kelly put it in his book, The Great Mortality, the genius of the flagellants and the reason why the flagellants were such a popular show was because they were able to transform erotically charged (laughs) private self-abuse into public theater. Oh, my God. So it's just a bunch of Roy Cohen's, that lawyer from McCarthy, just out there in the town square performing. Yeah, man. No. I mean, this is an S- this is a BDSM show uh, in public in the town square for Jesus. It's actors. <laughs> it's actors. It's theater. Uh, all right. Yeah. See, when a troop of flagellants arrived in town, like I said, anywhere between 50 and 500 of them, they would announce their arrival with a lusty chorus of deep throated singing. <laughs> Who's ready for a big red bottle? Who's ready for the big red bottle? Who's ready for the big bat bop? It's me. It's me. It's me. Like I the, love just, tomato, Tom. Technically, it's like one of those, uh, was it stomp lines? Yeah. They just stomp, I think. Yeah. Yes. When the singing was heard, the church bells would ring, everyone would drop whatever it was that they were doing, and they'd all rush into the streets. And this is not only despite the plague, this was especially if the plague was raging, because the flagellants had come to help. That was part that was part that was half and half. It was like half great show, half like, oh thank God the flagellants are here. We lost fifteen people yesterday. They'll know what to do. Yeah, they'll fix it. The power of theater. <laughs> yes. Wow. Creating well, illusions of help since seventeen thousand. I don't know what, what time the theater started. Well, once the crowd was gathered, the people would hold hands and sway in rhythm as the flagellants entered the town square, hooded and dressed in filthy white cloaks featuring a red cross on the front and a red cross on the back. Oh. And as the people wept, women swooned, and the Jews ran for their lives, mm. the flagellants would sing a short song asking God to transfer his punishment from the pestilence into their whips. And with that... The show would begin. Now, this is my question about rehearsal, because they have to learn this. They have to learn these songs, right? Because they did have collective songs and all and all. And I wonder if they just did it while they were walking, or mm. if the flagellants truly got together and were like, "Okay, you got the three pronged sword, you buddy. You're yeah. the, you got the dunce caps ready." And he's like, "Good and pointy, sad." You know what I mean? Like, is this like? Do they just do they have costumers? Do they sit and figure this they shit must. out? They must. Yeah, I mean, remember, they're doing this three times a day, every day. So they're essentially doing one performance and two dress rehearsals every single day for 33 days. God, You're going to be on, but that fucking show's going to be on point by the end of it. That I will can't be wait tight. to get back on the road. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, each flagellant would begin by stripping himself down to the waist, walking in a circle around the churchyard two by two, no. and they'd lash themselves individually about the body and arms until blood was pouring from their backs and limbs. That's the opening. 
We do have a modern flagellant movement that kind of pops up a lot of times around Easter and like certain specific yeah. high Catholic holidays. Uh, but they use these kind of like bushy things that kind of cut you over time. Mm. These guys were using ropes that had knots in them with metal barbs inside of them. Mm -hmm. So each one would click, it would stick in the skin and yeah. then pull it back out. So it wasn't well, easy like well, it used to be, like it is now. Now it's easy. <laughs> Yeah, well, that actually, that tool was reserved only for the master flagellant. Like he oh. got the coolest accoutrement. Each individual guy, they had, they definitely had their scourges, you know, their whips. But the the big spiky, the big spiky balls, that was a master flagellant thing. You had to work up to that. Yeah, I'm sorry, mm. you had to be flagellant of the month several times. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's hard to get. <laughs> And suddenly, the flagellants would fall to the ground as the crowd cried out in surprise. And they would Whoa, fall. Whoa, they're doing it! Whoa, man! <laughs> they're fucking doing Dude, it! Dude, this is my favorite part, bro. Make sure you get back with those Coors Lights quick, man. <laughs> and once they fell, they would fall into a prostrate position that was supposed to be symbolic of the sin that each flagellant was most guilty of committing. Hey, uh, Gary, why are you sucking your own dick, dude? <laughs> uh, no reason. Uh, <laughs> weird. Adulterers laid on their stomachs to approximate copulation. Uh, murderers laid on their backs for whatever reason. I have no idea why. And perjurers laid on their sides with three fingers extended above the head. Again, for reasons that I can't figure out. I, there are certain symbolic things that I don't think we have the reference for anymore. Yeah, they might. A lot of times, they also would lay in the position of the cross, mm. where they would they would act as if they were being crucified. But just the idea of these like stinky flagellants, like all pretending to fuck each other, being like, <laughs> "This is the sin we committed." Like, like I think you're just getting horny again. It sounds like it. But this was just the second act. The next phase of the show featured the flagellant master walking amongst the prostrate men, lashing them with that three-tailed spiky scourge that we talked about earlier. Ooh. These spikes were about the length of a grain of wheat, and they'd sink so deeply into the flesh of the flagellants that sometimes they had to have another flagellant come and pull it out with a special <laughs> tool. Oh, man, this reminds me of Sunday school. My teacher, or whatever the hell that person was, probably... God knows what a felon. Um, they talked a, a lot about Jesus, and it wasn't just a whip. It was a very sharp whip, and then they went into great detail about having to pull it out and everything like that, and I was like, this is awesome. Well, that's why they kicked out. That's why mm -hmm. they used those whips. Yeah. It was because it was the symbol, it, it was the whip that was used on Jesus before he was crucified, mm -hmm. and, but just, that must throw off the rhythm of the whole show. Oh, it's gotta be hard. He sticks it in one dude, and he's like, ah, come on, motherfucker, come on, motherfucker. <laughs> and then they have to, some, they're waiting, because they're building momentum. Of course. The end, you know I mean, so eventually, like one of the flagellant boys has to run over and grab it and just go like, I'm trying, I'm trying. Oh. And then like, you gotta lose some back fat, Marie. <laughs> oh, leave him alone. I mean, honestly, if this all doesn't end with a ritual suicide, it's still nicer than the than the uh, Broadway show Cats. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> that nice? they all worship death. Yeah. Jellicle well, cats and jellicle <laughs> cats. Whap, whap, that whap. would be incredible. Well, I'm sure the I'm sure they had some sort of like pause in the show. They had something built in when the second flagellant had to come out and remove the spike. Kind of like, a, you know how Def Leppard used to have like that big gigantic stage show with yes. the underground tunnels and one guy would keep everyone busy while the other guy went downstairs and like did a bump of cocaine and like got oh, his dick for a second. And so it's that same thing where it's like distract them over here while we get Jerry to come and pull the spike out of the other guy's neck. No, absolutely. The ancient, ancient 
grandfather of Rob Trujillo from Metallica <laughs> yeah. come out and do a bass fill while they just sat there, just him going boom, 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 boom. We all have to be like, Jesus. good bass fill. It does sound like I can hear Vince McMahon's great, 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 great grandfather being like, more blood, damn it, more blood. <laughs> and then came the finale, the collective flagellation. <laughs> yeah, man, it's a big number. It's it's when all of the everybody that's been playing all night, they all show back up and they all play the was it time on their side oh, knocking yeah. on heaven's door what's the other big song that everybody <laughs> sings well uh goodbye yellow brick road was the song that elton john is closing his uh new concerts with Don't i hope he comes back it. it's uh, fine yeah, i think I already, everyone knows i already got the email mm-hmm. oh did you oh yeah he's coming back is he's he? not he's not allowed to rest thank god well on the command of the flagellant master the troop would form a circle around three specific members who for a lack of a better term were basically cheerleaders that's the role I want in all of this. I yeah. would love to just be like, you go, you bleed. <laughs> you guys are crazy. You, you guys got are waters, waters. Water? <laughs> Anyone Gatorade? Then as the rest of the members began whipping themselves rhythmically about the back and the chest, the cheerleaders would yell at each individual flagellant to whip harder. Which of course whip me, kicked pussy. off. <laughs> whip me, pussy! This Whoa. is for God. Wow! God that, can't hear you. Whip me unless I'm screaming, Mitch. And that of course kicked off a contest of self abuse to see who could hurt themselves the most. They weren't yelling to whip me. They were yelling, "Whip yourself, you fucking cut! Oh you fucking dead. oh! You think you love Jesus? You think you love you? Well, fucking Jerry over there. He oh, seems oh. like he loves Jesus oh, a hell of a lot more than you do. Oh, oh, oh. I love you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm coming. Oh my goodness. I don't know. Jesus likes a weird stage show. <laughs> Jesus liked sexy women. I guess. Mm. He yes, didn't he like did. all you dudes beating each other. He hung out with Mary Magdalene. Or have you mm-hmm. talked to him lately? I keep calling and no one's yeah. answering. It's <laughs> a funny thing is the flagellants would sometimes say like, oh yeah, we have lunch with Jesus sometimes. Seriously, really? <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Yeah. They were all like, yeah, Jesus came and hung out and he was just like, that whip, bro. Whip's kind of short. I don't say, sorry, Jesus. I don't mean to embarrass myself here at lunch. <laughs> what a pain in the ass. Which is also weird because in medieval times, they didn't eat lunch. They didn't eat lunch? Mm. No. Huh. They didn't even, yeah. No, but that. Maybe that's why they were so angry. I bet you fucking piece of shit. They were angry. <laughs> While all this was going on, the crowd watching the whole thing would begin singing a song of their own called the Ancient Hymn of the Flagellants, which couldn't have been that ancient since the uh, flagellants had been around for less than a century at that mm. point. Hmm. But regardless, the people sang a message that the flagellants had helped them all to escape from a burning hell, i.e. the plague, while the flagellants rose from the ground again and again to beat themselves more and more <laughs> until they could no longer stand up. Another day, another dollar. <laughs> but then they eventually have to pack up their shit. I know. Just, this is horrible. And then came the crowd participation. Oh, my. I Once hate this. I, this is why I can't never sit front row of a stand-up show, because you are the joke. You will get covered in blood. Actually, th- I would say more, instead of crowd participation, this is more the meet and greet part oh, of the show. Mm, okay. Yeah. Cool. VIP nice. package. Nice. Yeah. 
Once the flagellants were all spent, the townsfolk would walk amongst them and dip their handkerchiefs into the raw, oozing wounds, all while plague fleas leapt from the robes of these filthy masochists into the clothes of the faithful. Sounds like like a Marina Barankovic-like performance art shit. Oh my (laughs) god, you can just see like Humphrey Bogart blowing his nose and then just dipping it in the blood of some flagellant's back or flagellant's back. Some guy coming by with some crusty bread, just... (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, I just watched a whole thing on bone marrow. It made me feel that very Mm. same way. Yuck, don't like bone marrow. Okay. Mm. Well, once each handkerchief was suitably soaked with the blood of a flagellant, every person (laughs) in the crowd would spread the blood of the flagellants (laughs) on their cheeks. Uh, This is not going to help. Spreading the plague even further. And spreading whatever nasty shit these dudes were carrying around besides the plague. This yeah, because remember, like, it wasn't just the plague. You had, yeah. there was still uh, airborne tuberculosis. There was that kind of shit. There was the weird AIDS disease. That I'm was sure also there's a bunch around. of diseases being transferred via blood. You there just speak. Smallpox, the red plague, that was around. You always think like, if I went back in time, I could, I could advance civilization so fast. And in reality, you would just stare at these people and just be like, what the hell are you doing? And then you'd probably just get killed. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually, uh, the great courses had really good advice. Have you ever time traveled back to the year 1348? Good. She said to get to Scotland and then get on a boat to Iceland. Oh. Because <laughs> Iceland didn't get the plague for like 20 years. No kidding. Yeah. Well, finally, the master flagellant would read a letter that was supposedly written by God in 1343. <laughs> God had written a letter and like left it in Jerusalem for people to find and read and feel bad about. This is direct missive from God himself. Sap homies. How's your butts doing, Saw? Good. I've been noticing from my telescope up here that you've been beating yourself very soundly. Congratulations. A lot of blood. Good work. Okay. Talk to you soon. God. God's cool, man. Uh, And the letter told the townsfolk that the plague had been their fault because they'd sinned, but especially because they hadn't kept Sundays holy, as per the fourth commandment. Every single fucking every single asshole in the religious world, they all had their own like pet reason why the plague had hit everyone specifically hard. At least if if it wasn't like, oh, it's because Jews exist. It was also because of like, oh, you didn't keep the Sundays holy. No one's everyone's fucking doing shit on Sundays. And this is what happens. Oh, well, after reading the letter. Everyone would disperse, carrying plague fleas from the flagellants and carrying fresh infections from their neighbors that they had fucking hooked arms with and sang with earlier. This was all because they had to see the best show that 1348 had to offer. I can't wait for that new Pixar movie, Plague Fleas. It's going to be so funny seeing all the different personalities with the fleas. Uh, uh, We need to write it. Yeah, we do. But even though the holy polloi of Central Europe adored the flagellants coming to town, the officials in Europe, both municipal and ecclesiastical, recognized that the flagellants were not only a threat to the status quo, but were also murderous savages. Oh. It must have been slightly scary. Yeah. Terrifying. the, the, The clergy thought that they had things under control for so long. Right. You know, like we control the messages that God gives to them Mm -hmm. because the church used to send out missives in only Latin. Right. Like so used to send it out specifically so that only priests who knew how to read Latin could read what it was. The the elites. Yes. And the missives would come not only with the lessons that they're supposed to teach, but also the notes on this is how we tell the morons 
how to do the shit that we do. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until they started releasing things in English was when they realized, like, oh, they started releasing things in English to show, like, there's a massive problem here. Like, yeah. everyone actually needs to know this information. We have to talk about the plague. And this is the type of shit that was, like, happening because they kept shit from people for so long. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you're just a normal priest thinking, like, I'm the superhero of this town. I'm the, the spiritual sheriff. Right. Everybody's afraid of me. And then you see a guy with cha- a fucking chain in his hand and another guy nailed to a crucifix going, hi! Like, <laughs> he, like, feeling good about it. Excited about it. Oh my god. You, what do you do against that? I don't know. It sounds like the movie The Warriors mixed with like uh The Seventh Seal or something like that. It's very mm-hmm. scary religious marauders. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, the thing is about like all this anti-Semitism is that it's not like every single person in Central Europe was a raging anti-Semite. There were a lot of people that were very much against the gigantic po- pogroms that were going on day after day. Pope Clement the uh, Sixth, the uh, fancy horny pope that we talked about uh, last episode. Saxophone he pope. Was he, he was very, very much against any sort of anti-Semitism. Yeah, they tried to stop it, you know, in his way. He w- he did sort of like a, stop it. Yeah. Right. Okay, with the, yeah. uh, naughty boys. Yeah, and it was, but it was, you know, it was hard to get control of these, like, spontaneous uh, pogroms that were happening. Uh, but with the flagellants, like, you had an organized group of people showing up specifically to kill all of the Jewish people in your town while they put on a show. Uh, that's something you, you can do something about that, you know? Yeah. And so they did. I mean, in Erfurt, where the flagellants helped kill up to 3000 Jewish people, um, they closed their doors to flagellants. They said, you're never coming back. Oh, like, yeah. You're, like, you're never coming back here. Uh, King Philip declared France a flagellant free zone. And the king of Sicily threatened to kill any flagellant who set foot on the island. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, the French didn't stop the flagellants. Hello. You <laughs> said I did it. You congratulated oh, it. yourself. <laughs> you are not making but that you broke joke. the seal. <laughs> I guess that is true. I did yes, open the indeed. hole. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love when you open that hole, Henry. <laughs> I did it. Well, you know, Pope Clement VI, he did actually tolerate the flagellants when they first came to town. And by one report, he even took part in a flagellant procession. Oh. oh, yeah. But he was with just like with like just one rope, no barbs on it. Just being like, it's the spirit. I'm here as a oh. part of the spirit. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like he was doing the no kink at pride thing. Yeah. But when Pope Clement VI discovered that the flagellants were killing Jewish people in great numbers, he publicly denounced them. And when the Pope publicly denounced them, they mostly disappeared just a year after they arrived. And that was also that was always how the flagellants were. It was never like a long lasting thing. It always popped up for a year or two and then just disappeared. And no one knew where the fuck they went. They uh, John Kelly described them as midnight ghosts. Wow. They just I mean, if, if they flamed out. Like the yeah. plague, they, they kind of, it was the same thing where the movement blossomed and then kind of burnt itself out. I think because it, it found less and less places to go. Maybe they also mm-hmm. all found out they were never going to get to level four and they were never going to make it to Saturday Night Live. And they were like, <laughs> you know what? This improv stuff, it's not for me. I'm going to go back to make money in banking. I'm sick of paying for friends. <laughs> um, but, you know, that wasn't the only, uh, I want to briefly talk about just the fact that the other big in mass like delusion that was happening was all the uh dance mania the dance uh, mania the what was yeah. it called the uh the term is a choreomania this is like <laughs> that was happening which is true spontaneous 
giant groups of people dancing until they fell down. I love that uh, Dance Dance Revolution game that added the whip. That's really a fun <laughs> portion of it. But this is the opposite. This is them just, this is what they, some people believe that there were, there was either spontaneous, like the, the concept of like St. Vitus's dance, that mm -hmm. like there was either a disease or it was some kind of allergen or it was ergot poisoning or like that causes people to do this spontaneously. There was also some belief that they were organized where hundreds of people People would get together and just dance and dance and dance and they would fall down. This was the thing that would pop up again and again through history. But the Black Plague was a high point of Choreomania. Was there like a Stephen Sondheim of the time just being like, dance it away? I don't know, <laughs> honestly. Happening? But they created the. If you ever go to a place in Germany, they do this thing called the Schaffleton's. Oh, that'll be a fun dance. A dance that they still do to <laughs> this day. <laughs> but what it is, if you see it right here. They kind of just kick. It is like if you watch the Shawn fancy goose stepping. To be honest, it is yeah. just like that's the one thing about medieval dancing. I sort of like I wanted. I went down a rabbit hole of medieval dancing, and it's a lot of just huh. Where they just lift knees, but kind in a of not even that high. They, they touch palms a lot, and they spin in a oh, circle, yeah. and they're all like the wild medieval. And there's dance. usually a wreath involved. Yeah, oh yeah, they're they're holding. Yeah, they're holding. They're just holding a. An arch. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. They're like human hummels. Rise from your grave. Move on! Texas Beat is a sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor! By Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha. Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs in a whole bunch of cha, and it started off my day. Correct. Texas Pete. Sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's this right here. What would you do of another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously, I'd get some nunchuck training in. Uh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you could do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer, it's of course I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. 
and it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and we might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. It's sports. Prize picks. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor with seating up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Yeah! Toss that rock! Come on, guys! Yeah, pass it around. Get on the excitement with Price Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app, where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious caps. Whether it's hula hoops or earring hoops, you're going to know everything you need to know about sports. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Price Picks with little as four correct picks. Conference tournaments are here, which means the biggest moments in college basketball are getting closer. Basket. Price Picks even offers injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. I sure wish that Bobby Bonilla was still in the game because I would pick him to go all the way. Can you imagine if Bobby Bonilla played basketball? Woo-wee, dog! Then it would be more like baseball, but Bobby Bonilla would still be crushing it in the contract game. Woo! The deadliest game of all. Download the app today. And use code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. That's code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. While the flagellants were highly popular in Central Europe, there was one country that merely looked upon their passion plays with puzzlement and a vague disdain. Those people were the British. <gasps> they and didn't like with, the theater? They looked at like, they said like, Hmm. Foreigners. Uh, wow. No, they just couldn't. They just didn't get it. They didn't get it at all. The people that brought us Monty Python and Faulty Towers couldn't even understand this simple theater. Well, they <laughs> thought it was uh, a bit much. Okay. It yeah. was. <laughs> they are right about that. I'd say good on the British for recognizing it. It's, it's like, like one thing they got correct. <laughs> <laughs> and it's with this that we finally bring the plague to the shores of merry old England. Oh. <laughs> Get your face. Get your face. Really perfect impression. Now, unlike their mortal enemy, France, England was actually in pretty good shape when the Black Death reached the British Isles, at least comparatively. The Hundred Years' War against France was going well, and England was in love with their new king, Edward III. Oh. See, the reign of Edward's father, Edward II, had been marked by military defeat in Scotland against Robert the Bruce, it had been marked by famine, and it had been marked by political turmoil, partly caused by Edward's close and controversial relationship with a knight named Piers Gaveston. Ooh. We've been gay since the sun started shining. <laughs> 
but more because of the famine, military defeats, and an increasingly oppressive rule, rather than his sexual orientation, Mm. King Edward II fell victim to a coup, and by legend, was killed when a hot plumber's iron was inserted into his anus. And that's what got him there in the first place. You ever see, you know, the interesting thing. Clog pipes one through nine. I love clog pipes one through nine. It's amazing how hot you can get something before you shove it up someone's ass. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can see the people talking in the bar just being like, I don't care that he fucks guys, but we got to start winning these wars. Okay. (laughs) I don't care. You can just see people, but then that's like the cherry on top. Mm No, I mean, it's it's so funny how that whole that legend because that, of course, that's not how he died. But it's so funny how oh. that legend comes up again and again uh, with a hated gay man, even though he's not hated for being gay. But look at Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer mm-hmm. was killed by being beat to death with a barbell. What did we all hear that Jeffrey Dahmer was killed by when we were kids? He was killed by a broomstick being shoved up his ass. It's oh. this weird thing that people have again and again and again when it comes to a hated gay figure. How must he die he must die with something getting shoved up his ass there's some sort of weird homophobia retribution punishment that's we're also scared of the butthole we are scared collectively as a society of the butthole because the poo poo comes out of it i think we don't like it and then some people don't understand that because the butthole's got the man's clit in it and maybe we're just really scared of it every single time they accidentally sat in a pine cone they came in their fucking brace which is the (laughs) medieval form of underpants okay like if they did do that then then they'd be like oh this is evil because that's not my my wife my wife my wife I always knew that Jeffrey Dahmer died from the dumbbell because that was in the papers but there was always that stupid rumor about jumping off a refrigerator with a broomstick up your ass and I have no idea who started that that is a real thing that happened in the the NYPD did to a guy where they no um, this is different this is an urban <laughs> legend. That is true. That is, that true. is true. Yes, the uh, NYPD, the original flat flatulencer, flat yeah. flatulencers. Yeah, but remember, Ben, you were also you were right next to the news source on that one. Like you oh, were yes. in Wisconsin when that happened. I was like in Texas, so I'm getting like games to telephone, uh, and then friends like you, Jeffrey Dahmer, got killed by having a broomstick shoved up his ass. And it wasn't just my weird little community that thought that. I talked to other people. They're like, oh, yeah. yeah, that's totally how Jeffrey Dahmer died. Did you uh, hear that Jeffrey Dahmer died from cum poisoning? <laughs> Also, did you hear that like fucking Troy Aikman had eight gallons of semen like pumped from his stomach? That is true. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't heard anything. I haven't snoped that, but we'll see if Snopes debunks it. King Edward's son, however, captured the English (gasps) imagination when he became king in 1327 at the age of 14. Oh, my God. And his bold reign brought an era of good feeling to the British people while also establishing England as one of the most formidable military powers in Europe. Kill everyone. (laughs) Yes, King! I can just see a father right now driving in his Honda Civic, looking at his 14-year-old son, picking his nose, just being like, what the hell is wrong with you? Some kids at 14 were kings! I mean, but that's the thing, man. At 14, that's really not that big of a deal. Because let's go through just a little bit the lifespan of an Englishman in the Middle Ages. And of course, the lifespan of a man in the Middle Ages, like it varied greatly depending on one's wealth and class. And it also depended on if you were a man or a woman. On average, half of all medieval English adults died before the age of 50, and Hmm. only 5% lived above the age of 65. But people like Edward II, knights and kings, they often survived well into their 80s. But for those at the bottom, medieval English boys started working at the age of seven, and since they were considered men of a sort, they could also be hanged for theft. 
starting at the same age. Yep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, now it's time for our cute hangings. Come on, boys. <laughs> yay, yay, yay. Oh my God, a seven-year-old, watching a seven-year-old hung, I can't, or hanged or whatever, that's, that's, that's beyond. I yeah. mean, at that the is time, beyond. it wouldn't have been. At the time, you'd have been like, Oh, look how small they are. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. What can you even do at seven to the deserve The best part is you can use less rope. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Usually, uh, boys got married at 14 years old, uh, uh, while their wives were usually around 12. Ooh, uh, and as far as those women went, women were considered in their prime at 17, mature by 25, and Old by their mid 30s. Yeah, that's called porn ages now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Most produced five or six kids by the time they were 25, with the full expectation that half of those children would die. And most women just kept having kids until they themselves died from complications during childbirth. Jeez. That's why 35 was old, because that's when the complications started getting pretty fucking rough. You know, right. now women who have babies at 35, they get C sections back then. It's like, well, She's done. Get another. <laughs> God. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, women were treated like animals Borley. back then. Borley, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you want to read like uh, the Time Traveler's Guide to uh, Medieval England, uh, it has a, a pretty good chapter on just so and uh, just how fucking horrifically women were treated in the Middle Ages. You get the feeling if Jeffrey Epstein time traveled back there, he'd be like, finally. Oh, you yeah. <laughs> found my time period. For certain. This is built for him. Gosh. Yeah. But even though life was kind of horrible, the feelings in England were pretty good. Mm. And in fact, they were so good that when reports of the Black Death devastating France reached England, the English very quickly adopted an attitude that it couldn't happen there. It happened to Frenchmen. Wow. Yeah. Fuck the Frenchmen. Wow. But it can like? happen here. What does that remind me of? You don't have to develop any medicine. You develop the attitude that it's not happening. What is it it's reminding not happening. of? I think my eyebrow hairs are falling out. <laughs> yeah. And the English, you know, back then were a particularly insular community who considered themselves a breed apart from the rest of Europe. Nowhere near how English people are now. No. No. What a Humble group. They are <laughs> humble with their breakfast food. And I they think. love to join with the rest of Europe and share and just be a part of the community. <laughs> but, <laughs> You're like us now, England. Even in us, England. And the Englishmen back then would regularly dismiss Frenchmen, for example, as funny walking, effeminate fancy boys who spent too much time fussing with their hair. Oh, my goodness. Wait until you get a load of what Americans think of you. <laughs> <laughs> we love the English. That we times love have the English. Times, times have changed. The times have changed. We were, we were popular in England before we were popular in America, so we'll Aww. always love the English for that. You got great taste. Marcus yeah. is 100% English. 86% uh, English. Oh. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, and I believe that you but your asshole is 100% English. 100% English. <laughs> But even though the English found the French to be beneath them, that didn't stop Englishmen from sending back enormous amounts of French war spoils back to England from the first phase of the Hundred Years' War. English women were seen walking the streets in the finest French dresses. English homes were draped with French furs, linens, and sheets. And all of these goods were infested with hundreds, if not thousands, of plague-carrying fleas. I oh, just, no. You could just kind of feel, it's like in the horror movie when someone's like gonna be like, 
I'm gonna go check out that noise. It's like the same <laughs> feeling yeah. where you're like, you fucking morons. You yeah. just you know, look at it, you're covered in fleas going like, ow. Because you that first scene uh, a guy going like, ow, what's it? Ow. I got bit by something. Weird fabric. <laughs> Also, we have the big we we got to make a big deal. But the first time, the first uh, city in England that got the plague was Weymouth because they yeah. are obsessed with this news. Thought it was Malcolm. No, it's Weymouth. 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 No, I've certainly uh-huh. seen posts. They've said this that they, they've been better be mentioned because it's the one thing they're famous for. They got the plague first. Yes. <laughs> okay. Congratulations, Weymouth. Well, it's not what John Kelly says, but, you know, oh, whatever. Do you do? But, wow. I mean, Weymouth has claimed it, and technically, if that's the only thing you're claiming, I, I have to give it to you. They can have it. Yeah. Well, at, le- at the very least, if Weymouth is in southwest England, then I'll give it to him, because we do know that the plague started in southwest England. And if it's just one of those port cities in southwest England, fine, but I'm going to go with John Kelly for this right here. Just so you know, I'm sure, not sure. I'm not trying to fuck with Jeez. you, Weymouth. I'm not trying to blow up your fucking spot or fuck thing. up the only <laughs> tourism game that you have. I'm not but sure I'm what. just saying. It but seems the history, oh, the, the historian that has been correct thus far says it's Malcolm. Hmm. Okay, it okay. seems like if there was a Wisconsin sign, it was like, welcome to Wisconsin, home of Jeffrey Dahmer and Ed Gein. It's like, maybe not brag about this. That's what maybe they got. this isn't something that's super cool. You can't even cough uh, in Weymouth, though. They throw you out. Oh, I'm sure. Huh. Oh, okay. Malcolm is an area of Weymouth in Dorset. Okay. All right. Oh, sure. sure. It's all the same. Of course. All right. Yeah. I checked that out. Yeah. It's all Dorset. It's just so I guess all you Dorsians are Dorsetians. You called <laughs> him a Dorsian again. We're going to be canceled. Yeah. If, if you die there, does it uh, is it a Dorsian? I have no clue what happens. <laughs> well, anyway, it definitely came from Dorset. We'll say that. But at the start of the 14th century, it's estimated that the population of England sat at about five million. But the Great Famine shrank the English population by 10%. The Great Plague shrank it by another 30. And the after effects of the plague shrank the population by another 15. As such, England's population had dropped to 2.5 million by Mm. the start of the 15th century. Half were just gone. They had the worst plague mortality rates in England versus the rest of uh, Europe, apparently. Something like, with all of this collected together, it was like 60%. But they didn't believe yeah. in it. But that didn't work? It's something about belief. Uh. It doesn't seem to always <laughs> carry over into reality. Damn it. Yeah. And then it took England another 130 years to reach 13th century levels. What they were before the Great Famine and the Black Plague and all that. And it took another hundred years after that to surpass pre-Great Famine levels. Now, as far as where the plague truly entered England, it's believed that the first plague ship docked at the port of Milcom in the summer of 1349 after returning from a battle at Calais in France. Hmm. Like Kaffa, which had brought the plague to Europe in the first place, Calais had suffered through an 11-month-long siege that produced enormous amounts of filth and rats that then hopped on ships headed for England after Mm. the English broke the siege. But while the plague entered first in Melcom, the port city hit hardest and fastest by the Black Death was Bristol, where the plague took only two days to spread through the entire city. Wow. When word that the plague had hit Bristol reached Gloucester to the north, the Gloucester town gates were closed and all residents of the seaport were banned from entering the town. That, however, 
didn't work in Gloucester any better than it worked elsewhere. And by 1350, one could see a message painted on the Gloucester church wall that said, Miserable, wild, distracted. The dregs of the people alone survive. Jesus. Is that a haiku? Yeah, honestly. (laughs) It's just the end of the world scenarios. I kind of want to keep reminding people that, because I have to think about it myself, they thought that the end of the world was here. Yeah. Well, for everyone that died, it was. It was. When you watch people just drop dead hard in two days like they just come in all of a sudden mm-hmm. everybody you know is dead it's mm-hmm. very very scary but then if you look at the bright side probably someone that you hated died too sure <laughs> sure. well it's like it was in a, a 28 days later like you know that Oof. when he goes to the church and it has the end is very fucking nigh painted on the wall yeah. england was covered in those like these little poems and these little statements of just the world has ended fuck me that's wow. the that was the general sentiment that's yeah, because they were sucking a lot of dick too. That was no, the thing I mean like, fu- like fuck me, like not oh, fuck, yeah. not not <laughs> fuck, fuck me. Fuck me. Fuck no, me. I mean, honestly, you might as well have fun with it. That sounds like a, it's a meme. What they yeah, wrote on those, act- so. sure, it's a meme. No, sure, that is a hundred. He is actually yes. one thousand percent right on that. Woo-hoo. It is a meme. Yeah. <laughs> fuck well, you, from, yeah, I know. I'm, 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 I can grant you this. <laughs> yeah, he, I'm just saying he gets more than a sure on that. He gets okay. a he gets yes. a way to go, Ben. Way to go, Ben. Isolate the footage. (laughs) Well, from Bristol, the Black Death spread across England along a network of roads heading east, where the Black Death met another strain of the plague that was coming north from Malcolm. Hey, how are you? How are you? Black Death, what are you? Good to see you. Good to see you, Black Death. Nice to see you. We're just passing through, passing by each other. Okay. And both of these strains were killing whatever commoner, nobleman, and especially priest that got in its way. Now, there's quite a bit of debate as to whether or not priests died at greater or lesser numbers than the general population, because priests were, after all, older and more exposed to risk if they did their duties. Mm. But priests were also better fed and better housed. So in the end, it kind of evened out. But either way, so many priests died in England that Bishop Ralph of Shrewsbury <laughs> bent the rules and ordered that if no priest could be found in town... Holy Communion could be administered by deacons, and people were instructed to confess their sins to each other if they got sick or were at risk of getting sick. Hey, no, Kessel, come here, yeah. Kessel. There was one time when we, well, you remember when we used to get milk together when I used to bring milk from <laughs> the center the, of town? All the time. There was one time, and oh, I hate to say this to you, Kessel. Yeah. I hate, but I put some shit in it. <laughs> One you put shit in my milk? And yeah, you, you drank it up, and I knew there was shit in it <laughs> when you were drinking it. I'm so happy you're about to die. angels <laughs> need absolution. Uh, open your mouth. <laughs> I just no bad. No, not bad. No, I didn't even notice the shit in my chocolate milk. <laughs> but how embarrassing must that be? That Horrible. you have to confess to your name. Like, usually with the priest, you can tell your priest whatever weird shit. Like, I stuck a finger up my ass the other day and it felt good. Oh, now you got to tell it, your neighbor that. And then the priest is like, ooh, going to put that in my spank bank for later. <laughs> I told, solid memory. Oh, I still have PTSD from going to the priest and telling my jerked off. I don't know. What did he do with that information? I went to Catholic school. <laughs> he jerked off. He jerked off. Hmm. But while an extraordinary number of English priests died in the Black Death, 50% of priests in Southwest England alone, there were a fair amount who simply abandoned their posts 
And the aforementioned Bishop Ralph of Shrewsbury was just such a priest who cut and ran. But oh, that's, my God. I to feel be like- fair to Bishop Ralph, he had just come from America. He didn't know that he was in line to be a bishop. But all of a sudden, he was just in Cleveland being Are you talking Native about the movie King Ralph? Very nice. I feel like he looks like the mayor from Nightmare Before Christmas, just like super yeah. fat with little legs, yes. just like scampering oh, yeah. away. Yeah. 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 Every priest that is in this story, I imagine, looks like the Deacons of the Deep from uh, Dark Souls 3. Big, Ooh. fat, horrible, scary assholes. Pustulars. But that yeah. was the only advice anybody really had. Had, which was mm-hmm. run as soon as it there. showed up run but the yeah. priests weren't supposed to run the of priests were not. supposed to stay they were supposed to stay behind do their duties until they died but there were a lot of priests that were kind of in it for the money uh, yeah. and were in it well, for some the of them power were like, and weren't really I, in it for the, the right reasons get out of here <laughs> some of the priests is just straight up like wouldn't i just be so much more useful in an executive position. <laughs> you need, still, there can't be a leadership gap. Someone has to tell people what to do and shouldn't my mind be safe? I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you, Mr. Ralph. Yeah. yeah, well, Bishop Ralph retreated to the countryside in January of 1348. But Bishop Ralph, what he actually said, how he tried to justify, he goes, I go to the countryside Every winner. Like, why am I going to stay? This is just what I oh, do. God. Do you want to fuck up the rhythm of Bishop yeah, Ralph? This nah, is my bro. life. This is what we do. I hate the reference because these are timeless episodes, but I think you referenced Ted Cruz oh, yeah, the last other day. Week. Yeah. It really, yeah. That is the definition of it, where it's like, I yeah. travel all the time. This is what I do. This is what I do. <laughs> and when Bishop Ralph returned from his rural exile to the town of Uville, Healthy and plump at the head of a majestic <laughs> entourage. The plain Congratulations for seeing me. Hello, congratulations for seeing me again. The plague-stricken townsfolk quickly formed an angry mob in what sounds like a very British type move. Like I could just see an entire just a group of British men, one guy yells, Oi! And then it's fucking it's on. No, I love that. <laughs> Good for them. Hooliganism is very yeah. real. Yeah. The bishop disappeared into the local church in fear, but the angry mob, armed with bows, arrows, stones, and farm tools, burst inside and beat the bishop's crew half to death. Didn't kill them, just wanted to make them hurt. And then they held them captive for days until a neighboring community showed up and convinced them to calm down. It took a whole other town. (laughs) I mean, I get it, man. They must have been pretty pissed. He ditched them. Yeah. However, it doesn't seem like the priests who stuck with their communities were much of a help either. The English clergy in particular were fond of saying that the plague was the English people's own fault, with one friar blaming it on beautiful young women corrupting public morals by attending jousting tournaments in provocative clothing. Wait, so how did they blame women and Jewish people for this? This one was because women wore snaps. Wow. They literally like had it was extra buttons. They didn't like them and that the clothes were too tight. Even for that time, this sounds stupid. It was stupid. Another, John of Reading, said that it was no wonder that the British were dying in droves, given the empty-headedness of the English, who remained wedded to a crazy range of outlandish clothing without realizing the evil that would come of it. They thought it was clothes? Yes, it was like, you remember when, was it Falwell saying the 9-11 happened because we allowed gays to live in America? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jerry Falwell, yes indeed. Mostly, though, the English church tried spinning the plague into an opportunity for salvation, with Bishop Ralph himself saying that, quote, 
Almighty God uses thunder, <laughs> lightning, and other blows to scourge the son he wishes to redeem. That's great. Wait, mm-hmm. where's my french fries? I know what you want, Ralph. That's my tagline. Thank you, say, where's my french fries? <laughs> that's really, that's classic. But as a result of all this, the church came out of the plague far weaker than it was when the plague began. Not just because of their behavior, but mostly because the plague had proved that the church, like everything else, was an all-too-human institution with no divine power. Yeah, God wasn't helping them, and they were the ones with direct access to God. So if it was God's punishment, shouldn't they technically have been gotten first? Yeah. Kind of in a way? Like, they all should have been the first ones to go if it was directly from God to punish everybody for not believing enough. you go, Obviously, you got to... F- Fire your employees first. Well, if you're a boss, fair, it's it's very corporate. Before you, you blame the customer, you should fire the employees. It's mm-hmm. very corporate though, and you know, in large corporations, things take time. It's got to go through HR. Yes, it's got to yeah, go through yes, so yeah. many people passing the buck and passing the blame. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because it, it wasn't just that people lost faith in God. They didn't lose faith in God at all. Their faith in God increased because to mm. them, the proof that God existed was right in front of their face. It just incre- it just decreased their faith in the church. Yes. Like the church had told them forever that they are superheroes, that they will protect them. But then the church proved to be completely useless. Like people would go to church and they would die in church. And then the priest would also die. So people started use this was actually the beginning of uh private churches. Yes. You know, like smaller churches. Like instead of everyone traveling to town to go to mass, you know, in a gigantic cathedral, now people were building their own churches, just you know, having church in a barn. So it is it really is the beginning of religion being taken away from these big um corporations essentially sure. and uh going to a more DIY type of thing. And yeah, of course, going indie, as all they... DIY shit goes, it eventually gets made into its own corporation. That's Indeed, what small, small D democratization of religion, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But then they would all yeah, go on massive uh, pilgrimages. That was like the big thing, too, is that the pilgrimages uh, increased, and but also the way they did it increased. Some people would just crawl towards Jerusalem, literally. They would just mm. go towards the east right. on their hands and knees. Thinking it would, would help. I would assume this also led to different splinter cults, right? Different splinter religions at oh, this yeah, point? Or yeah. was it still everyone was still pretty Catholic? Oh, yeah. Everyone was still pretty Catholic. We're but they still, were kind of going off in still, their own way. We're still a little ways away from Martin Luther. We're still okay. a little ways away from like Protestantism. But this is also like mysticism is starting to become, like I said mm. earlier, like or, mysticism is starting to become a, a much uh, more commonly accepted thing where people are having personal relationships with God. It's right. just going back to its pagan roots. What, yeah. Basically what it did is it started to break the faith mechanism down to just like, I have agency, I can control the universe. They call it God and all that kind of shit. But really it's about that being like, we have access to our own salvation. We we don't need somebody else. We don't need the middleman. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, in keeping with our worst century to be alive theme, England was also besieged by never ending rainfall when the Black Death hit and a twin epidemic of rinderpest and liver fluke spurred on by the damp annihilated entire herds of sheep. Yeah, now rinderpest and liver fluke are just IPAs you can get from Portland. Come on, guys. <laughs> oh, you go there. You went there. Come on, guys. And when it came to the type of people who died of the plague in England, the demographics shook out as they normally do. Since the wealthy tended to live in stone houses, they were more protected from the rats. Mm. Therefore, only 27% of the aristocratic class died of the plague in England. 
priests came out much worse than the aristocrats with a mortality rate of 45% on the high side of estimation. But, Mm. you know, priests were also still well-fed and they lived in reasonably nice dwellings. For the peasants, though, who lived in poorly built, rat-infested houses that had to be replaced every 30 years, the mortality rate was at least 40%, while some reasonable estimates say that 70% of English peasants died in the Black Death. Yes. I mean, that would make sense. But even though the wealthy were indeed shielded, some of them still died through sheer arrogance and stupidity. The best example was Princess Joan Plantagenet, youngest child of King Edward III. Plantagenet! They, oh, uh, Plantagenet, the Herman Cain of their time. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely... Uh, it was interesting because it did... It's almost as if the overwhelming death does create a sense of complacency, too. Because mm-hmm. if you believe, if you're in your own little world of the aristocrats and you don't see as many people dying as everybody else, maybe you do think that the plague's overblown. So you, in your own mind, because you have just the reference point of your surroundings, you don't understand that it's out there killing fucking everybody. So yeah. they decided a lot of times, like we talked last week with Queen Joan, where it's like, the aristocrats were still just like traveling and trying desperately to be like, all right, though, let's get back to normal. Let's get back to normal. Again, very similar to what we've gone through now, which is the idea of like, you know, they are on track. Like our lives have not changed. What about yours? Mm hmm. Now, Princess Joan, all of 15 years old, was set to sail to Spain in the middle of the plague to marry Prince Pedro of Castile. Oh, but along the way, the royal company decided to stop off in the port city of Bordeaux, France, for unknown reasons. What we do know is that the mayor of Bordeaux, Raymond de Bisquois, met the royal company at the docks to tell them that the city was chock full of plague and that they should, under no circumstances, enter the city. Don't come in here. But perhaps owing to Princess Joan's royal arrogance or her companion's inability to take Frenchmen seriously, all of them brushed his concerns aside and entered the city anyway. Yikes. Within a week and a half, most of the wedding party was dead, including Princess Joan. Well, you're saving money on burner plates. Yeah. <laughs> Those charger plates. Really yeah, charger you. plates. That's right. And her body was burned when the mayor of Bordeaux ordered the harbor be set on fire where the flames spread to the building where Princess Joan had died. Honestly, Honestly that's a fun day to be a leader, though. It yeah. really does. Yeah. just like, light it to blaze! Light it to blaze! <laughs> now, with so many people dying in England, there was, of course, the question as to where all these dead bodies were going to go. Like everyone else, the English used plague pits. But in England, the clergy actually used them in one case to turn a profit while also pissing off Everyone in town. I will say the plague pits in England supposedly were a little bit more organized than you'd find in the rest the rest of Europe. They, very they much would were. they tried to show more respect for the dead for some reason there. No, well, they didn't 69 everyone. <laughs> not every time. <laughs> Only when it was a fun grave digger. Oh, oh my. Well, uh, in, in England, it all depended on how busy the body carriers were that day. Yes. You know, so it, they would lay them all in one direction. A lot of times facing towards the church, they would like try to do it in a kind of a respectful manner. Like, the, honestly, that kind that did seem to be a thing throughout Europe. They would try 
to start yeah. the plague pits mm. in order. Like oh, they try sure. to make them nice. We have to make sure to lay them in one direction. Make sure they're in sync. Oh, this one. <laughs> never mind. He's a Backstreet Boy. I, am, uh, I quit. Woo, woo. I quit. <laughs> oh, man. You too. <laughs> oh, is it 98 degrees out here? We're recording this so early. Woo. This is so early in the morning for us. It's unbelievable. I feel like I'm walking on the sun. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's smashing. Well, that well, in England, as far as the Blake pits went, like they, uh, how much effort they put into the burial all depended on how many people were dying. You know, when yeah. a lot of it, when say some like two, three, four hundred people were dying in a day and the carts the plague carts just never stopped coming yeah it was a bit of tossing you know it wasn't yeah. there wasn't a whole lot of organization to it but if say you know 10 20 people were dying a day then people would get wrapped in sheets you know they would uh put charcoal uh to uh make sure the bodies didn't smell quite as bad like they, they would put the a lot more rites. effort into it yeah they did they the last rites yeah. yeah so they just all depended they but they did make an effort when they could okay and in winchester a Bishop Edenton objected to even the digging of a plague pit outside of town because he argued that's unconsecrated ground out there. And if you bury people on unconsecrated ground, when Resurrection Day oh. comes, they might be overlooked. And the church can't have that. No, because you're losing numbers for heaven. Yes, yeah. you are. You moved the tombstones, but you didn't <laughs> move the graves. <laughs> but while the bishop hemmed and hawed, plague bodies were stacking ever higher all around town uh -oh. and by the scientific beliefs of the day people believed that those bodies were creating miasmas that were spreading the plague even further can't we just sort of like put a sheet over them of something honestly they're all melting <laughs> just, uh, it is gross isn't it, it it's just supposed to be my one day a week i have a bath i know i'm just simply i am disgusted can you get me some candles <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, the frustration of living with piles of rotting corpses boiled over into violence when a group of townsfolk attacked a monk while he was saying a funeral mass. After that, the bishop agreed to the digging of plague pits, but did so in the pettiest way possible. Instead of just choosing a plot of land outside of town, the bishop chose a plot of land that local merchants have been using as a market and a fairground for over a century. Oh he said, why don't you put your plague pit there, you pieces of shit? And then he charged them 40 pounds for using diocese property. Gee, yeah, he, what an asshole. All right, I guess we're digging up them all. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> no more Spencers. I no. guess you'll have to go get your erotically themed birthday gag gift somewhere else. <laughs> Over yeah, it's the like hill. A, it's, it's a fucking 80s movie where the ski lodge is getting shut down. The summer camp <laughs> is getting dug up because of the, but it's set in the Black Plague. This that's is what I want to see. That's the screenplay Shh. I'm writing. That's the <laughs> I want to see. Good Lord. I mean, out of all the things happening, do we need the pettiness? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's the biggest crime of all, being a hypocrite. Yeah. <laughs> now, the legend of the plague in England is that hundreds of villages were completely wiped off the map by the Black Death. And that's partially true. I mean, these days, you might come across a single stone wall that might well have been part of a town centuries ago. Mm. But really, while some towns took centuries to rebuild after the plague, the towns that the Black Death wiped out were already on their last legs following the Great Famine from a few decades earlier. They would have died anyway. It's just that the Black Death killed it a lot faster yeah. than just time would have. Right. But 
something interesting happened in rural England when it came to how many peasants were dying. See, when one person died, everything they had went to their next of kin, and so on and so forth. So you had someone die, goes to the next kin. Some, have someone die, goes to the next kin. In regular times, there might be 10, 20, 30 years between inheritances. Sure. But in the Black Death, it was two weeks. Yep. Three weeks. Whole, and a whole family line would go. Yeah. And so Ooh. the inheritors would get more and more stuff as yeah. each other member of the family died, as there was less and less next of kin to get the shit that was left over after mm -hmm. the other ones died. Well, we all yeah. grew up with hand-me-downs. Well, you yeah. probably didn't because you're the first born. You got <laughs> and I was bigger born. <laughs> but since so many people were dying, the survivors were accumulating enough lands and goods where they could no longer be considered peasants. But oh. neither were they lords. Instead, they were something new. Middle Class. New money, baby. Wow. Rodney Dangerfield's all New over England. <laughs> <laughs> this is the creation of the middle class. Wow. This is where this is where it all begins. The beginnings of the Queens Jets fans <laughs> began here in these humble little towns. Oh. My father, the progeny Hi. of these towns in Poland. We'll get to Poland next week. Uh -huh. Also, by the way, this is not the last episode. We'll cover it. We'll talk we about have it. One little. more to go. Furthermore, there were no longer as many people around who could do the work that the lords needed done. So the workers could demand higher wages and lower rents. In other words, the balance of power very suddenly shifted, <gasps> ending feudalism and beginning the march towards the modern world. But while rural England was changing in ways that couldn't be fathomed even a decade before, London, which was filthy, even by medieval standards, <laughs> was about to get the rudest of awakenings when the Black Death breached its walls. Oh, finally a taste of their own medicine. They're <laughs> rude themselves sometimes. And it's with London and the rest of the British Isles, as well as the other unbelievable ways that the Black Death shaped our modern world, that we will truly end our series on the plague. Yes, right. we decided to take a three-hour episode and cut it in half. Because yeah. by the time we had so much shit that, that we still wanted to talk about with the Black Death, and y'all seem to be enjoying it, and we are having a fucking blast talking about it. So we decided we'll add one more show so we can mm -hmm. really add all of the details we want about what shook out at the end of the plague. Also to talk about how Poland was saved simply by its cats. Oh, <laughs> that's nice. Which is oh, some good, yeah. I don't know if that's true. They but need the, to get beagles. They, uh, <laughs> What to chase the cats? The cats were the one. No, one the time beagles chased the something. rats. Hmm? Beagles chase rats. Yeah, the They're rats. hunters. Yeah. What? Oh, that's why Jerry is keeping my house. It's, it's very clean. I know. I saw <laughs> Jerry eating dinner with a rat the other day. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Learned something. Laughed mm -hmm. along the way. Oh, yeah. We'll be back fucking as fucking better half. You fucking of course, better half. And of course, next week, we'll also talk about the uh, massive fuck up of the Scottish. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, dude. The no Scottish, the, Scottish the really in, tried. He the tried. insane arrogance that brought the plague to Scotland. <laughs> oh, man. It's pretty sweet. I love 
I love world history, Kissel. I'm happy that we're out of it. Kind of. <laughs> mostly. We're, we're, we are better. But we just are. Know, it is better to be alive now. That's so for damn sure. If you haven't noticed, this summer we're going to be doing a little bit of a history theme. But just so you know, after this episode, we're going to be doing a little bit of an ooky spooky relax fit. Then we're After gonna this be, next episode. After this next episode. Then we're going to be traveling to an entirely other period of time, which I'm really mm-hmm. looking, looking forward to. And it sounds a little bit like, yeehaw, get it, get it, get it, get it. Uh, okay, it's what, the old it's west. More like the old <laughs> west. I don't know. So thirsty. Why did I? Cho- why did I choose to settle in this fucking desert? Why are we here? Why are we here? All right. And for uh, and for here? a little bit of information on that, I'm going to watch Shakiest Gun in the West. Oh, the fantastic Don Knotts movie. All mm-hmm. right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We have some live dates that we will be telling you about as soon as our <laughs> yeah. management and agents allow us. But we promise we so are going close. to be seeing you very, very soon, and we can't wait to be on the road with you. And uh, yeah, anything else? Keep on supporting all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. Um, yeah, Top Hat, uh, Spun. Um, yeah, you all the of shows. Course, uh, you know the shows. You know, know the shows. No dogs. Yeah. No dogs. What's No Dogs up to nowadays, Marcus? Uh, we're on hiatus right now, but if you want to hear the full story of the Beastie Boys, there is a six-episode series uh, available, as well as our uh, you know entire first series uh, on uh, Punk, where you know we covered the Stooges, Suicide, The Damned, uh, yes. the Ramones, the Dead Kennedys. The Screamers, wow. the Slits, uh, amongst others. Misfits. Well, the, na- the names are a little bit uh, blue there, aren't they? A little <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> all right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Hope you're safe and happy out there. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Oh, hell game. Mongoostillations. Hail me. Don't lick a rat. I mean, you could lick a rat, but just know it's the, the fleas are the problem. Oh. Also, those play doctor masks we didn't really talk about, but they had flowers on them. Yeah, you know what Everybody, they are. Everybody you know the imagery. Knows the, it's cool, you know it. You know. They're it's cool. fine. They're scary. Yeah, it's cool. They're scary. I made a point to not go into it. I know, but then I'm certain people are, you know, interested. If they've stuck yeah. around this long, there was like yeah. garlic. And, this is the post-credit scene. Post-credits. Yeah. There we was like garlic the and, ooh, this and is shit like and a big yeah. long nose thing. It was like smelling of because they thought that it was. a... Okay, they had a big, gigantic, long mask with the smells, yeah. with the shit what? in it, because they thought that the Black Plague was spread by smell. So if there was like, if they kept their nose far away, and then if they had other smells in their nose, and they wouldn't catch oh, the plague. That's why they Marcus? had a big fucking long mask. And who's Marcus explaining that to? Oh my God, it's Nick Fury! What a surprise! Whoa! <laughs> Remember that when Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool killed himself because he had read the Green Lantern script at the end? <laughs> I love the uh. government-mandated superhero movies we get. <laughs> It's wonderful. Isn't it wonderful? This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. 
Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.